Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. We're living in such an incredible time right now. Shakings going on all over the world. Governments shaking, nations shaking, so much fear gripping people right now. And when I think about this season we're in, it reminds me of a time I traveled to Lebanon uh, with an incredible organization called Open Doors. And uh, it was during the time of the Aleppo crisis. I didn't go to Aleppo, but I was in in Lebanon uh, meeting pastors that were handling a lot of the, the refugees that were coming out of Syria. And some things just really struck me by speaking to these pastors. Uh, they started by saying to me that the prayer meetings, well, it wasn't just me, there was a few other leaders there, but they were making the point that the prayer meetings were more responded to than the church services. And there was a sense of a hunger, a desire for God, and people were stirred in their hearts to cry out to God for help. And it just struck me how human nature is in, in that we tend to run to God when we're in trouble. And in times of crisis, people tend to just call out to God. In fact, you might have seen on the news, I mean, we're thankful that, that Boris Johnson is feeling a lot better now, but there's some newspaper uh, headlines that said, pray for Boris. And it's unusual to see that in the UK and to see that in the West because we don't tend to talk about God or prayer. And it seems like Christ drives us towards God. And I like uh, uh, to say things like this, that show me the person uh, that can pray intensely without crisis, and I'll show you the person that's rightly positioned to handle the crisis when it arises. So we're not just called to pray intensely when crises arise. We're called to be people who actually want God and seek Him regardless of crisis. And you might be watching this right now, and you're feeling the need for God. You're feeling the need for a breakthrough. You wanted something to happen to shift this situation. Well, it's a great starting point to start to call out to God and it will answer you. However, that should not be the end point. The relationship to tra should transition to a place where we start to have a desire for God besides the crisis or the needs at hand. Now, when I was in Lebanon, I met a pastor there, and he shared something that really, really impacted me. You know, uh, he, his church radically changed in that season because basically his church was full of refugees and the, the church members that had been there for many years were kind of getting really concerned and some of them left and they couldn't handle the pressure and all that. So he was in prayer saying, Lord, our resources are drained. We don't know how to handle this. Lord, this is difficult. I don't know what to do. And he was praying and he said the Lord gave him a vision. And in the vision, he saw Jesus' body on the cross, Jesus' dead body on the cross. And then the Bible talks about a, a rich guy called Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy guy, and he took Jesus' body off the cross. This is in the New Testament. He took Jesus' body off the cross and put Jesus' body in the tomb that he owned, a, a wealthy guy. And so Jesus was placed in this tomb, and he had this vision of this uh, uh, guy, this wealthy guy called Joseph, taking Jesus's body off the cross. And he said, the way he saw this in the vision was, the guy took Jesus's like left arm off one side of the cross and one side of Jesus's body was on his back. You saw the guy took the other arm off the other side of the cross and the other arm was on the back and then the feet and then the whole weight of Jesus's body was on this guy, Joseph. And then he heard the, the, the voice of God say to him, are you ready to feel the weight of my dead body? And when he said that, it just impacted me so much. 
Now, you might not really understand what that means, but let me just break that down a bit. When Jesus, or when the Lord said to this pastor, are you ready to feel the weight of my dead? But what Jesus was actually saying to him was, the persecuted church are facing a lot of opposition, a lot of suffering, a lot of challenges, and you have been so comfortable, and my, my dead body, so to speak, the part of my body that's feeling dead and struggling, I'm putting that weight on you right now to feel that same burden. And when he said that, my heart was so stirred when I thought about what we are going through in the West, uh, in the church. And as I consider what's going on right now, the coronavirus, I feel like God is actually allowing us to have a glimpse of bits of what the persecuted church go through. And at this time, we need to be able to go through this season and come out strong. Crisis and adversity should actually prove our faith. It shouldn't destroy our faith or weaken our faith. Anyone can worship or praise God when things are going good. Anyone can worship or praise God when life is going amazing and you have the breakthroughs, you have the money, you have the finances. In fact, most people tend to be disconnected from God in those kind of circumstances. But it takes a person of faith to be able to worship God and praise God when you don't have your salary because you've lost your job. When you're feeling sick in your body and things don't seem to be moving the way you want to. It takes a person of faith to be able to do that. So what I want to touch on this. This session is just uh, talk about a very important story in scripture that really just stirs my faith to remain strong in the midst of adversity. And we can find this in the book of Daniel. So if you go to Bibles, I'd like you to just turn to Daniel 3. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to just highlight a part of Daniel 3. The backstory to this is Nebuchadnezzar, the king at the time, you know, uh, set up this image of himself and decree that everyone must bow to this image. And there were these Hebrew boys that refused to bow to this image. Whenever the music played, everyone bowed to the image. So these boys refused to bow to the image, and then they were reported to the king. And the king uh, said, okay, well, because you refused to bow to this image, I'm going to put you in a fiery furnace. And so they came before the king, and uh, this is what happens in verse uh, uh, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And then it goes on to say that the king got really angry. And you know what he did? He turned up the fiery furnace seven times hotter than it was, such that the people that were even turning up the fire in the furnace and turning up the heat, the people that were doing that, they died, okay? And now these three Hebrew boys were then thrown into the fire, and something crazy happened. As they were in the fire, uh, God shows up in the fire, and the king sees a fourth man in the fire. And everything changes at this point because the boys didn't obviously die and the king had an encounter with God and something shifted because these boys had incredible faith. Now we read this story in hindsight and go, wow, what incredible faith. But we need to break down their thought process and we need to break down how come they were able to stand with such conviction, because that is the kind of conviction the Lord wants us as his people to stand with in times of crisis. We've got to have that kind of a conviction. And there are three stages to this conviction that I want to point your attention to. Now, look at what they said. They said to the king, one, 
our God is able to deliver us. So they were confident in God's ability. There are many Christians that fit this category. You are confident that God is able to do something. And you know the scriptures that says nothing is impossible for God to do. We, we know the scriptures, but sometimes it's just, it just remains in our heads. It doesn't translate to our heart. Our theology has not become our reality. We can say yes and amen to things, but we're not experientially living it. For example, you know, it says in scriptures in Ephesians 1 that we're seated in heavenly places. Uh, uh, far above all powers of darkness, principalities, and works of the enemy. If we're seated in heavenly places, then you know what that means? The enemy is under our feet. We know there's a real enemy out there. We know the enemy is real, and he wants to oppose the work of God in the earth, and he does in various ways. Now, the Bible says we're seated far above all the powers of darkness. So that means the enemy is under our feet. And I like to put it this way. Anything under your feet has no business dominating your head. So if he's under your feet, that means you have authority over it. But the fact that our theology says we're sitting in heavenly places doesn't often mean that's our reality. Many of you watching this still feeling the burden of fear, anxiety, worries, sickness, whatever it might be, depression, oppression. Now, there has to be a translation from theology to reality. And oftentimes, it's an encounter with God. It's going deeper in the reality of who God says is from his word. The written word becomes the living word. There's a shift that takes place there. Now, the, the three Hebrew boys had an encounter with God, and where they started was this. Our God is able. Are you confident that God is able to deliver you from the financial crisis and the situation you're going through right now? Are you confident that God is able to heal your body? Are you confident that God is able to bring an end to this COVID-19 virus? Are you confident in this? Some people are and some people aren't. I want to say I believe a majority of the body of Christ is confident in God's ability. But this is where the rubber hits the road, the next stage of faith. They said, our God is able. And they know what they say, what they say next. Our God is able to deliver us from the burning furnace and he will deliver us. So they didn't just say he's able, they said he will. They were confident that his ability was going to be applicable to their personal situation. They didn't just have an idea of God that was based on what the pastor preached or what some guy said on TV. They had a personal encounter with God. They'd had an encounter with God. That meant they knew how God was going to respond in their current circumstance. Today, many people just listen to messages, listen to preachers, listen to men and women of God here and there, and there's lots online, but they don't have a personal encounter with God. I remember Jesus saying to his disciples in the New Testament, he asked them a simple question, who do men say that I am? And you know, the disciples, they'd been with Jesus for so long, and they started to say all kinds of things. People say you're this, people say you're that, people say you're Elijah, people say you're a prophet, and they started to say other things, and then Jesus challenged them. He says, but who do you say that I am? You see, that's the transition. Some of us have been in the place of God is able. We know what people have said. We know what the word says. But the transition now is, who do you say God is to you right now? Who is God to you in this season of crisis? Do you know God as the healer? Do you know God as the provider? I don't mean intellectually. I mean in reality. Because these three Hebrew boys had a history to draw on 
in God, such that in a moment of crisis, they were not just so scared that they didn't have anything to stand on. There was such a foundation from experience and encounter with God. And I want to say to you, maybe you don't even have that kind of experience. You don't have that kind of history. This opportunity with this crisis, the nations of the earth are facing, it's providing us an opportunity to build a whole new level of history with God. Because God wants you to know him in that intimate way, knowing what he will do. Not just what he can do, what he will do, and what he will do for you. Yes, God is a personal God. He wants to do, there's some areas of my life where I am so confident in God's ability. For example, provision. Now, I'm not saying I'm confident in every single area because I am also growing in my faith. There's some areas where my faith is weaker and, and there's some areas where my faith is stronger. But because I have seen God do certain things in my life over and over and over again, even though there might be financial challenges I'm facing right now, there is a level of confidence that I can say, he's not just able, but he will come through. He's not just able, but he's gonna heal this body because I've seen it over and over again. Now, I don't want you to just hear me and go yes and amen to it. I want you to have that level of assurance in your heart. But you have to start by saying, Lord, I don't wanna just have an intellectual idea of who you are. I wanna experience you. You almost, you need to get dissatisfied with just ideologies that don't become reality of experience. You have to say, Lord, your word is real, and I want to have a real encounter because God is a practical God. He's not just a theological God that has ideas out here. No, he's practical. He wants to impact your everyday life, and he cares about your everyday life. So there's a transition from his ability to what he's going to do in a personal situation. It was like there was a sense of a connection to them. The Hebrew boys had that reality. Now, the third phase of their faith is what I want to touch on next. And I think this area of their faith is the weakest area of faith I see in the Western church, in the charismatic Pentecostal evangelical church. In majority of the church, we have no theology and no concept for this reality. And this really challenges me that these Hebrew boys were able to hold all dimensions of faith in tension. They said he's able. And then they said he will. But do you know the third thing, the, the, the third thing they said he will do? or the third expression of their faith, rather, they says, he's able, they says, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. And then the next part, it says, but if he doesn't, if not, let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you've set up. They knew he was able, and they were confident that he will, but then they said, even if he doesn't. So in their expressions of faith, they made provision for God not showing up the way they expect him to show up. And they had already settled in their hearts that even if he doesn't do what they want to do, how, he, how they want him to do it, when they want him to do it, even if it doesn't happen that way, they will not falter in their faith and they will not bow to the idols. See, this is where a lot of people in the Western world, in the Western church, will begin to falter in our faith and will begin to get offended at God. 
Because when I see the persecuted church in the Middle East, like when I went to Lebanon or when I went to northern Nigeria recently, meeting Christians whose family, family members have been killed, who have lost husbands and lost children and lost so many things. If I met girls who've had children for Boko Haram and now they're obviously they're believers and you hear them speak, you go, my goodness, my faith needs to be a lot stronger. Because how can they go through that and still trust God in the way they're trusting God and still forgive? And I look at the Western church and I realize we're going through little things over here and we're complaining of God, getting offended of God, like almost like spoiled children. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I want my faith to be so strong that when I am praying for healing and I'm confident you will heal, and even if the healing doesn't happen and it leads to death, that my faith does not get destroyed in that space. Because like the Hebrew boys, they had provision for God not delivering them. In other words, they were ready to die. And they would have died with strong faith that he will deliver. Do you have that concept? Have you, have you walked with God in a way where you're able to still trust him when things are not going the way you wanted to and the way you expected to. See, when things go wrong, like family members die of cancer and we prayed and the breakthrough didn't happen or people catch a COVID-19, maybe a Christian catches the virus and dies or, or you know, things like this happen and we start to have questions. Lord, why did this happen? See, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. It's, it's just a matter of where the questions are coming from. It's not that the questions are wrong, it's where it's coming from. Because oftentimes, because things don't happen the way we wanted to, when we wanted to, our heart gets into a place of offense. And then we start to ask God questions from offense. But asking God questions from a place of offense leads to unbelief. But asking God questions from the place of trust leads to revelation. So the problem is not the question, it's where it's coming from. It's not that God is not, it's not that God doesn't want us to ask him questions. When we really trust him, even when we don't understand and the person died of cancer or the person died of COVID-19 or we prayed and things, and we still are able to have this kind of faith like the Hebrew boys, and we come to God and say, Lord, I don't understand why that happens. We're positioning ourselves for revelation. You might remember the scripture where the disciples prayed for a boy who was uh, demon possessed and the demon didn't come out and the disciples were very concerned because they felt embarrassed you know Jesus gave them the authority to cast out demons and they prayed for this guy who was demon possessed and nothing happened and Jesus came boom the demon leaves and they know what the disciples did they asked Jesus questions Jesus why did this not happen and then Jesus says well it was your unbelief but not just that Jesus then says this demon only comes out this type comes out by prayer and fasting so they were able to get insight and they were able to get some revelation because they were able to ask questions. Now, for many Christians, we face difficult circumstances and you know what we tend to do? We just apply prayer and fasting to, oh yeah, we're just gonna pray and fast. There's nothing wrong with prayer and fasting, obviously, but we miss a crucial step. And the step that led the disciples to understand that they needed to pray and fast to get rid of that demon was the fact that the first thing they did when things didn't work out was they went back to Jesus and asked him why it didn't work. Because first and foremost, they trusted his leadership. Do you trust the leadership of God in your life? And when things don't work out the way you want to, when you've lost your job, when you're struggling to pay the bills, when you're wondering how you're gonna get through this week and you're thinking, oh God, do you still trust him? And can you come before him in a place 
of absolute trust and ask questions without offense in your heart? Because I'm telling you, many believers are getting offended at God. Like, God, why is this happening the way it is going on right now? But God actually is amazing because God is not a God that doesn't love us. Think about this. He himself suffered. He came and he suffered. The, the, the Christian faith is the only faith where our God came as us and suffered like we suffered. So he understands suffering. So the fact that things are going difficult on the earth right now does not mean God doesn't love us or does, God doesn't care. The point is there's just a lot we don't understand. So we cannot afford to just live with this mindset of, okay, well, God doesn't deliver me, and so I guess God doesn't care about me. No, God wants us to have strong faith. Three dimensions of it. He's able. He will. But if he doesn't, listen, we will not bow to the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear has infected more people on the planet right now than the COVID-19. We will not bow to the spirit of fear, even if God does not bring the breakthrough when we want and how we want, because there's such a fortitude of faith in us, which leads me to the next three points I'm gonna make. How do we grow strong in faith? There are various ways we can grow strong in faith. The Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we can grow strong in faith by growing strong in our word life and not just reading the written word, but allowing the written word to lead us to the living word. That's the point of the written, one of the main points of the written word, to lead us to an encounter with the living word. That as we begin to read the word, we're reading it from a place of trust, from a place of expectancy, and asking the Lord to speak to us. Now, it's not every single time I read the word I have a revelation, but I'm creating a space for a holy visitation. I'm creating a space for God to break into my world, and he does that. And he begins to highlight things to me I've never seen before, because I'm coming to his word with an open heart. And so the words begin to jump off the page, and he begins to speak to me. So one of the ways we grow strong in faith is by encounter with the Word of God. For faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. The second way I want to highlight that we grow strong in faith is by prayer. And I made reference to this at the start of this teaching, saying we can't just be believers that pray in the middle of crisis. Now, that's good, that's okay, but we need to go beyond that and be believers that can pray without crisis, that we can seek God when things are difficult, we can seek God when things are easy, whatever the circumstance, we have created a culture of seeking God. We can't just be people that just have prayer meetings. We need to now have a prayer culture. More than ever, God is calling the body of Christ to shift our dimension of, uh, of, of connection with heaven. It's like we need to shift how our frequency of engaging with the realities of heaven, and this, Crisis is providing us an opportunity to dig deeper in the word, to dig deeper in prayer. The third thing, and then I'm going to round up right now, is we need to be a people that go deep in worship. So the word, prayer, and worship. And to just make that point, I want to point your attention to a, a, an incredible piece of scripture, a bit of scripture in, a, 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 in 2 Samuel 6, 11. It says, uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. 
And that scripture has really been ministering to me and my family, actually, at this time. Uh, as soon as all this stuff started with COVID-19 and the lockdown right here in the UK, we felt like we needed to just have a space to worship and pray. And so we started these live streams in our home every evening, 8.30, 9.30, you worship and pray. And as we didn't intend to keep doing them every night, uh, but... It felt like as we did the first and second one, there was just a grace on it. And we just felt the Lord reminding us of this guy, Obed-Edom. I'm not going to go into the full story, but basically the Ark of the Covenant, David got scared because someone died when they tried to, uh, you know, the Ark stumbled and they tried to touch it and they, they died. And so David did not want to take the Ark anymore. And so the Ark of the Covenant, which represents, by the way, the presence of God, went into this guy's house, Obed-Edom, for three months. And when we came across this and the Lord was highlighting this to me, he said, now I'm not saying that lockdown is going to last for three months, but I feel like the Lord was inviting me and inviting my family to host His presence in this lockdown season in worship. And I'm telling you, worship takes your focus off of you. You cannot worship and worry at the same time. It's impossible. You're either worrying or you're worshiping. But when you're worshiping, you take your focus off the situation and your focus is on Him. And as we began to invest time in worship, we began to feel God change us, change the atmosphere of our home, and we begin to receive testimonies from other people who have been encountering God in this space. And it's building our faith as we're hosting the presence of God in worship. I want to challenge you in this lockdown season wherever you're watching this, whatever nation you're watching, that you will begin to host the presence of God in worship like you've never done before. Because the secondary consequence of that is this, you tap into the resources of heaven. Look at what happens to Obadinam. Because the Ark of the Covenant was in his home, the Lord blessed Obadinam and all his household. The blessing of the Lord came over his household because he hosted the presence of God. I want to say to you, the, the answer to the financial challenge you're facing is the presence of God. The answer to the sickness in your body is the presence of God. The answer to the relational challenges you're facing is the presence of God. Get in his presence. And it might be challenging at first because your emotions are all over the place, so many distractions. Just keep going. Eventually, you're going to align and when your heart connects, you're never going to want to leave that place. And sometimes you have to be consistent. In fact, you have to be consistent at it. Not just doing it once and every so often. It's the consistency. It says in Hebrews, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligence means consistency, really. You're not just seeking his hands for blessings. Nothing wrong with that. But seeking his face. That's what that's about. And this is the season to grow strong in faith. Grow strong in prayer. Grow strong in the word and grow strong in worship. Let me just pray for you as we round up right now. Father, I thank you for every single person watching this broadcast. Lord, I pray that in this season where there's so much fear going on, that we as your people would rise above the tsunami of fear that's just invading the nations. That, Lord, we will be a beacon of hope and truth. I want to pray for anyone watching right now just struggling with just uh, offense at God. Father, right now, in fact, I want to encourage you to just let go of the offense. You don't have to understand everything. Just say, Lord, I don't understand this situation and I feel my heart wanting to go into offense. But Lord, I surrender my heart to you right now. Let every offense be completely removed. Lord, I trust you in this circumstance. Even though I don't understand what's going on, Lord, I trust you that you're able. 
that you will. But even if you don't come through the way I want, I'm still going to trust you and I will not bow to fear. So Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of fear and anxiety and oppression and depression. And I release freedom over everyone watching right now. Help us to be strong in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Prayerstone Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstone.org.